0: Perfect. Oh, that is perfect. Two Steps From Hell? No way. 25 tracks, best of all. Timing. Wait. Hold on, hold on, let me rewind this one. it's just fine, but no worries. We're gonna party like it's 1999. Where? Ontario. Maple syrup. With Fluffy Cambridge. Old French series in parentheses. Publications. The Song of Roland. Translated by Jesse Croshland. Once upon a time. Charles the King, a great emperor has been in Spain for seven full years. He has uh, conquered all the upland right down to the seashore. And not a castle can stand before him. Neither wall nor city remains to be destroyed, except Zaragoza. which was built in a mountain. King Marcilier rules in Saragossa. He does not love God. He worships Mohammed and calls upon Apollon. He has no protection against all the evil which is about to come upon him. King Marseillais was in Saragossa. He has gone into an orchard beneath the shade and has laid himself down on a slab of blue marble. And round about him are more than twenty thousand of his men. He calls his dukes and his counts to him, to him. Listen, my lords. What a calamity threatens us. The emperor, Charles, of fair France, has come in tour this land to destroy us. The Emperor Charles of Fair France has come into this land to destroy us. I have no army capable of giving him battle, nor are my people such that they can break his to pieces. Counsel me. A wise man, as wise men, and save me from death and dishonor. Not a heathen replied a single word, save Blencandring of the castle of Valfonta. Blancandri was one of the wisest of the heathen. He was a good knight for his valor and a prudent man to counsel his lord. And he said to the king, Now, be not dismayed. Send a message of faithful service and very great friendship. To Charles, the proud and arrogant one, say that you will give him bears and lions and dogs, 700 camels and a 1,000 molted falcons, 400 mules laden with gold and silver, and 50 wagons wherewith to form, the convoy. And he will have the wherewithal in plenty to pay his soldiers. He will have the wherewithal in plenty to pay his soldiers. He has been fighting in this land long enough and he ought to return to Aix in France. Say that you will follow him at the feast of Saint Machia and you will accept the Christian faith and will be his vassal in all loyalty. If he asks for hostages, you will send them, whether ten or twenty, as a pledge of your good faith. Let us send the sons of our own wives. It is far better that they should lose their heads than that they should lose our honor and our dignity and be reduced to beggary. Blencandrin spake. Next, number four, we hear from Blencandrin. By this, my right hand and by the beard that waves over my breast. You will very soon see the army of the French men brought to naught. The Franks will return to France, their own land. And when each one is at the abode of his choice, Charles will be at Aix in his chapel, and he will be holding high revel at Michael Mastide. The day will come, and the appointed time will pass, but of us no word and no news shall he hear. The king is proud, and his heart is wrathful. He will have our hostages beheaded. But it is far better that they lose their heads than that we should lose Spain, the bright and fair, and suffer evils and deprivations thereto. The heathens say, perhaps he speaks truth. Yay! Aye! For a <laughs> Number five. King Marseillais has finished taking counsel. And he has called to him, Clarin. Of Balaguer, Estamarin, and Eutrapin, his peer, Priamon, and Guaran, the bearded, Machineer, and his uncle, Mahéu, Donuer, and Malbien, from beyond the sea and Blancandrin to tell them what he has resolved. Ten of the most treacherous he has summoned. Sir Barons, you shall go to Charlemagne. He is besieging the city of Cordova. You shall carry olive branches in your hands as a symbol of peace and of humility. If by your skill you can reconcile me to him, I will give you abundance of gold and silver, lands and fiefs, as many as you wish. And the heathen say, We shall get great. Gain from this? <laughs> Number six, King Marseille has finished taking counsel and he said to his men Lords, you shall go hence. Olive branches you shall carry in your hands. And of Charlemagne the king, you shall beg on my behalf that for the sake of his God he have mercy on me. Tell him that I will follow him with a thousand of my faithful vassals before he sees this first month pass, and that I will receive the Christian law and become his man in love and loyalty if he desire hostages he shall have them in truth Blancandrin said you will have a very good treaty Number seven, then Masalei told them to lead ten, lead up ten white mules, which the king of Suatale had sent him. Their bridles are of gold and their saddles set with silver. The messengers are mounted upon them, carrying olive branches in their hands. The journey towards Charles, who holds rule over France. And he cannot help but that they deceive him somewhat. <laughs> Number eight. The emperor is confident and joyful. He has taken Cordova and broken down the wall the towers he has demolished with his stone throwers throwers them? throwers his knights have gone great beauty both of gold of silver and of costly armor not a heathen has remained within the city unless he be dead or become a Christian the Emperor is in a large orchard. Together with him are Roland and Oliver, Duke Samson and Hanses, the proud Geoffrey of Anjoy, the King's standard bearer, and there too are greens. And Gerrial and many others with them, even fifteen thousand men of fair France. And the knights are seated on white silken cloths. The wiser, the older ones are playing at tables and chess to amuse themselves, (laughs) and the active younger ones are fencing. Anga. Beneath a pine tree, beside a bush of Eglantine, they have placed a throne made of pure gold. And thereon is seated the king who holds sweet France. His beard is white and his hair all wavy. He has a noble form And a proud countenance If anyone be looking for him There is no need to point him out And the messengers go down From their horses And salute him for love And for honour Number nine First to speak Was Blancandrin And he said to the king May you have salvation of God, the Glorious One, whom we ought to adore. This is the message that King Marseille, the Valiant Knight, has sent you. He has much inquired concerning the true way of salvation. He wishes to give you large gifts of his possessions, bears, lions, and greyhounds. On the chain, 700 camels and a thousand molted falcons, 400 mules packed with gold and silver. Fifty wagons wherewith to form a convoy, and there will be so many besons of pure gold that you will abundantly have the wherewithal to pay your soldiers. You have been long enough in this land. You ought to return now to Aix in France. Thither my master will follow you, for so he has said." The Emperor stretched forth his hands towards God, then bowed his head and began to think. Number 10. The Emperor's head was bowed low. He was never hasty in his speech but accustomed to speak at his leisure. When he raised his head, his countenance was very proud, and he said to the messengers, you have spoken very well, but King Marseille is my greatest enemy. And how far can I trust him concerning the words which you have spoken to me? Sarajan replies, By hostages of whom you will receive ten or fifteen or twenty, at the risk of losing him, I will put a son of mine among the number and you will have I doubt not even nobler ones then when you are in your royal palace at the great festival of Saint Michiel du Perel thither my master would follow you such is his message there in your baths which God made for you, there he wishes to become a Christian. Charlemagne replied, he may yet be saved. 11. Fair was the evening time, and the sun still shone brightly. Charles bade lead the mules to their stables, and he had a tent stretched out in the wide orchard that the ten messengers might lodge therein. Twelve of his servants had care for them well, and they passed the night there until the daylight came. The emperor arose early and listened to both Mass and Martins. Then he betook himself beneath a pine tree and summoned his barons to take counsel, for he wishes to act in everything according to their will. 1873, because when you're a favorite beer of rock stars and cowboys, you don't compromise. That's our legacy. What do you want to go down in history for? Coors Banquet starts your legacy. Number 12. The Emperor goes beneath a pine tree and summons his barons in order to take counsel. Duke. Oh, And Archbishop. Turpin. Richard the Aged and his nephew, Henry. The valiant Count Achillin of Gascony. Ted Bolt of Rims, and Milo, his cousin. There too were Gurin and Gurdier, and together with them came Count Roland and the brave and noble Oliver. Of the Franks of France, there are more than a thousand. Nelon came there too, the one who did the treacherous deed. Now <laughs> begins the council, which turned out so ill. Number 13, Emperor Charles. Sir Barons, King Marseille has sent his messengers to me. He wishes to give me a great mass of his possessions, bears and lions and greyhounds on the leash, 700 camels and a 1,000 molted falcons, 400 mules laden with gold of Arabia. And besides, all this, more than 50 wagons, But he bids me return to France, and he will follow me to the palace at Aix. And there he will accept our most holy law. He will become a Christian, and he will hold his lands from me. But I don't know what is his intent. The Frenchman said, it behooves us to be cautious, behooves, cautious, I'm behooved, who said that? I don't know, it'll come to me. Number 14, the emperor has finished speaking. Count Roland, who does not agree with him. Leaps up and begins to contradict him. He said to the king, "To your misfortune, will you trust Marcelli? He came into Spain seven full years ago. I conquered Noples and Comimbles for you. I took Valterne in the land of Pine and Baraguer. Dwelling in the Citadel, King Marseille acted in very treacherous wise." He sent fifteen of his heathen, each one carrying an olive branch, and they said these very same words to you. You took counsel with your Frenchmen, and they advised you very unwisely. You sent two of your counts to the heathen. One was Bassan, and the other Basile. He took off both your heads, both their heads, in the mountains beneath Hautili. Carry on the war as you have begun it. Lead your army in battle array to Saragossa. Besiege it for the rest of your life and avenge those whom the fallen have murdered. number 15. Every new grill deserves to be christened. Do it right with a champagne of beers. Welcome to the high life. The emperor sat with bowed head. He stroked his beard. smoothed his mustache and gave his nephew no answer, either good or bad. The Frenchmen were silent, save Ganelon. only. He jumped to his feet and came before Charles and began to speak very fiercely. And he said to the king, To your misfortune will you listen to a fool, whether me or any other man if it be not to your profit, When Marceli tells you that he will become your vassal with clasped hands and will hold all Spain as a gift from you, he will that he will accept the faith that we hold whoever he be who advises you to reject this offer, sire. Little he cares by what death we die. It is not right that a council of pride proceed any further. Let us leave the fools and listen only to the wise. 16. Then Names came forward, and in all the court there was no better vassal than he. And he said to the king, You have heard the answer that Ganilon the Count has given you. There is wisdom in it, if it be rightly understood. King Marseille is defeated in war. You have taken all his strongholds. You have broken down his walls with your stone throwers. You have burnt his cities and defeated his army now, that he requests you to have mercy on him, it would be a crime to do anything further against him. And since he is willing to give up hostages as a pledge, this great war ought not to go on any longer. The Frenchman said, The Duke has spoken well! Hurrah! of it is! 17 Duke Names replies, Sir whom shall we send thither to King Martellay in Saragossa? I will go by your leave. Give me now the glove and the stuff. The king replies, you are a man wise in counsel. By this beard and by this, these hairs on my face. You shall not go so far from me this year. Go and sit down, since no one bids you rise. 18, Sir Berens, Roland replies, whom can we send to the Sarakin who holds Zaragoza? I can very well go. You certainly shall not, said Count Oliver. Your spirit is much too fierce and proud. I doubt not that you would get yourself mixed up in strife. If the king wishes, I can go very well. But the king replies, Be silent, both of you. Neither you nor he shall set forth there. By this beard would you see whitening, I curse upon him who wishes to send one of my twelve peers. The Frenchmen are silent, and there they sit, quite dumbfounded. Number nineteen. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Ave Marie, ah, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Dominus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Blessed are you among women. Benedictus est Mariae and blessed, womb, you shall, you shall. and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. At benedictus fructus ventris tui. And blessed is the fruit of that womb, Jesus. Jesus Santa Maria, Mater Dominei, De Pray for us sinners. Pray for us sinners. Ora pro nobis percatorebus Now and at the hour of our death. No- Amen. Ah, 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 ah. didn't load yet. Four minutes. Sac no. Cantus selecti ad benedictionem S mi sacramenti Numero. 807 cantu selecti ad benedictionem es sacramenti ex libris vaticanis et soles mensibus exerti exerti Editio Redemikis signis ornata, ornata. Ornaments ornata. Desclair. and present. Sokii. Es. Sedis. Have a seat. Apostolikai. Apostolic. Ed. Sacrorum. Holy wine. Rum. rituum, Rituals. Congregaciones. Congregations. Tipography. Copy right? Paris, Paris. Tornati. I don't know. Roma. Neo Eboracci Printed in Belgium Chocolates, nineteen fifty seven Impramachor Tornacci Dei Venteocho, 28, 28 February, February, nineteen fifty seven Julio Le covid, Vicar General Omnia Jura Vindicatin Pinus Tam in Universam Universe Nostram for us Ex cogitandi Scribendi scribe, or what is written down? Rhythmia, for the rhythm, ratione, rational, quam in Carmina. quae non inventi un in Vaticana edizione, sed ex soles mensibus libris exsortas sunt. Desklet Empresent and, and South no, yeah. Tornati Belgium. Belgium. Copyright 1952 by Desklei and Company. Tornai Tornai. What Belgium. Okay, great. Tornai. 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 Where are you going? I don't know. Rit to Rituals. Rit us Rit us Okay. Rit. In expositione et benedictione, as mi sacramenti servantus. One Roman numeral. De expositione, sanctissimi sacramenti. In excle. I'm still waiting for you. Ecclesias out orate quibus statum est aservare, santissimam, eucrastiam, fiari, potest expocio. Exposicio pravata se ucum. Pisaere, ex qualibet giusta caus sine, ordinanavi la sciencia, exposition vero, publicas, seu cum ostensorio, die festo corporis Christi et intra, octava, fieri potest in omnibus, ecclisiis intermissarum, solamnia, et er vesperas aliis vero temporibus, non nisi ex justa et grave grave cosa tim publica, et de ordinarii locci locci licentia Digit, ecclesia, et religionem exemptam pertinaet. Code of Juris Canonicals, twelve seventy four, section one. Coming up, in oratione quarta, quinta, ora, room, one. In expiatione pro soloni oratione. A hundred and I don't know. Orarum es sacramentum in altari maggiori exponi. Oh boy, this is going to be long. It's all in Latin. All of it. Oh, here. Here's the songs. Okay, great. in honor okay i'm trying to find something to sing here since i did daddy sleep and oh boy in honorum ss sacramenti. okay here's it in song salutaris nas salu salutaris no i can't do it i can't do it Can okay, I try? Salutaris, hostia, quai cheli pandis, hostium, per la premund, hostilia, daro burre auxilium. Unit trai che domino, si semper gloria. Qui vitam sine tormino, <Sings> visto tonet in patria. <Sings> Amen. How's that? Oh, salutaris, hostia aquai. Jelipandis, osti I can't do it premund ostila dator Fer axilium une trinoke domino semper eterna gloria qui vitam sine termino nobis donet in patria Amen. O oh, sanutaris hostia quaeliis pandi ostium bella premund osti li darober ferazilium Unitri noki, Domino si Terna gloria, Qui vita sine termino nobis Amen. O salutaris. It just keeps repeating. Okay, I guess this is every. Oh, here, angelic. Panis angelicus, feed panis hominum. Dat panis angelicus figuris terminum. Ores Bilis mandukat nominum palper servus et humilnis te trina mm yeah. a ve beekee wees tactus, gustus in day falitur sed out thee to so cre gret- D. days. Oh, memoreale mortis domine, panis vivus vitam prestans homini, presta mihi menti de te vivare, et te illi semper doce Pia pelicane cesu domine Mi mundum munda tuo sanguine Cucu una stila sovum facere tutum mondo grida a me scordatè Gesù quen velatto nunk espitio oro fiat e l'ud quandom si tuo utei ternens faccia, visus simbiatus, Tuae gloriae. Amen. Oh, end of 12. 12. On page 12. In honorem SS Thank you, Celestina, Dior, uh, Ami, out. Cernem's. All right. This is Chapter Two of the Collected Works of Edith Stein. Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, De Calque, Carmelite Essays on Women, Volume Two, Chapter Two. I think I read Part One or the uh, first one already, so I'm just gonna skip ahead. Plus, I want to see what it says. Roman numeral number two, page... I don't know. If we try to describe the nature of man and woman as we understand it normally, we find, on the one hand, a clear explanation of what God's Word tells us. On the other hand, God's Word is simply a guide to life. In this, we, again, find traces of the original order of creation of the fall and of redemption. Man is called by his original God-given vocation to be master of the created world. Hence his body and soul are equipped to fight and conquer it, to understand it and by knowledge to make it his own, to possess and enjoy it, and finally to make it in a sense his own creation through purposeful activity. But, of course, man's nature is limited, as are all things created. His limitations have their origin in the primitive condition caused by original sin. As a result, the human being does not possess lordship over the earth as first intended. We lost our authority, people. We must regain it individually and collectively. If the drive for knowledge is strong in him, a man a and if he uses justly j all his strength to satisfy this drive, then more and more would he could he would 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 he will be he will be forced to renounce the possession. And enjoyment of all the things in life, and in, in addition, his power of creativity will be undermined. If this life's goal is possession and gratification, he will be less likely to attain pure, disinterested understanding. and less likely to be capable of creative activity. But, 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 if he is content completely to transform a small realm by his own creative activity as a farmer, artist, or government worker, etc. Abstract knowledge and enjoyment and the material goods of life are of less importance. And as I, uh, we are constantly reminded that the more perfect the single achievement is, the more limited it is in scope. <sighs> Perfection can only be achieved through a one-sidedness and the determination of the other qualities and the deterioration. Perfection can only be achieved through a one-sidedness and the deterioration of the other qualities. But also, given man's fallen nature, this one-sided endeavor to achieve perfection easily becomes a um, decadent aspiration in itself. Our desire for knowledge does not respect limits placed on it, but rather seeks by force to go beyond its limits. Human understanding may even fail to grasp that which is not essentially hidden from it because it refuses to submit itself to the law of things. Rather, it seeks to master them in arbitrary fashion, or permits the clarity of its spiritual vision to be clouded by desires and lusts. In the same way, the decay of man's dominion is seen when we consider his relationship to the natural riches of the earth instead of reverential joy in the created world, instead of a desire to preserve and develop it, man seeks to exploit it greedily to the point of destruction or to nonsense or to senseless acquisition without understanding how to profit from it or how to enjoy it. Related to this is the debasement of creative art through the violent distortion and caricature of natural images. The deterioration of kingship to brutal authority also holds true in the relationship of man to woman according to the original order she was entrusted to him as companion and helpmate consequently if she is to stand by his side in lordship over the earth she must be endowed with the same gifts to understand to enjoy and to create but usually She is endowed with these gifts and consequently runs less danger of losing herself in one-sidedness. Thus, she will be able to serve man in their mutual duties. She protects man from his natural one-sidedness by her own harmonious development but the relationship of the sexes since the fall has become a brutal relationship of master and slave. Consequently, woman's natural gifts and their best possible development are no longer considered rather. (sighs) Men, man uses her as a means to achieve his own ends in the exercise of his works of his work or in pacifying his own lust of however it can be easily it can easily happen that the despot becomes a slave to his lust and thereby is a slave of the slave who must satisfy him The degenerate relations between man and woman are transmitted in their degenerate relations with their children. Originally, the care regarding procreation was charged to them jointly, just as they are both directed to restore their differing predispositions in that way also and in a most intense manner each must compensate the other for their inherent shortcomings as parents on the one hand the uncultivated nature of the child necessitates care protection and guidance in the development of his faculties because of the close bodily tie between child and mother because of woman's specific tendency to sympathize and to serve another life as well as her more acute sense of how to develop the child's faculties the principal share of the child's education is assigned to woman on the other hand She has need for man's protection in order to carry out her duties. Yet man's more intense drive and potential for achievements make him responsible for guiding the child to fulfill his particular potentialities to make good, quote-unquote. And finally, he is responsible by his duty as sovereign of all creation, to call to care for the noblest of all creatures. Moreover, just as man and woman are made to complement each other, so too the successive generations are called upon also to fulfill the same function each generation Mama, you don't want to eat it Well, mm-hmm. oh, i'll put it back can i eat it mm-hmm. thank you it's each generation back. therefore Mama, back. okay thank you i'll put it back okay okay we'll be back bye-bye excuse me yes What are banks for to make money for the customers, for the banks? Why doesn't bank advertising mention this? It would be in, well, it would not be in good taste. But it is mentioned by implication in reference to reserves of uh, 245 nine million dollars or thereabouts. Two hundred forty five nine million dollars That is the money they have made. Out of customers? I suppose so. Well, they also mention assets of five hundred million or thereabouts. Have they made that too? Not exactly. That is the money they use to make money. I see. And they keep it in a safe somewhere. Not at all. They lend it to customers. Then why haven't... Then then, then they haven't got it? No. Then then how is it assets? Oh, they maintain it. They maintain that it would be if... They got it back. Huh? But they must have some money in a safe somewhere. Yes, usually $500 million or thereabouts. That is called liabilities with capital L. But if they haven't caught it, how can they be liable for it? Because it isn't theirs. Then why do they have it? It has been lent to them by customers. You mean customers lend banks money? Well, in effect, they put money into their accounts, so it is really lent to the banks. And what do the banks do with it? Lend it to other customers. But you said that money they lent to other people was assets. Yes, then assets and liabilities must be the same thing you can't really say that but you just said it if i put a hundred dollars into my account the bank is liable to have to pay it back so it's liabilities but they go and lend it to someone else and he is liable to pay it back so its assets it's the same hundred dollars isn't it yes but then it cancels out. and It means, I mean, doesn't it, that banks haven't really any money at all? Theoretically. Never mind theoretically. And if they haven't any money, where do they get their reserves of $249 million or thereabouts? I told you, that is the money they have made. How? Well, when they lend your hundred dollars to someone they charge him interest. How much? Well it depends on the bank rate. Say five and a half percent. That's their profit. Why isn't it my profit? Isn't it my money? It's the theory of banking practice that... Listen, when I lend them my hundred dollars, why don't I Charge them interest, eh? You do? Uh, you don't say. How much? It depends on the bank rate. Say, half a percent. Grasping of me, rather. Isn't it? Half a percent? But that's only if you're not going to draw the money out again. <laughs> well, but of course I'm going to draw it out again. If I hadn't wanted to draw it out again, I would have buried it in the yard or the garden, wouldn't I? Couldn't I? They won't like you to draw it out again. Why not? If I... If I keep it there, you say it's a liability. Would not they be glad if I reduce their liabilities by removing it? No. Because if you remove it, they cannot lend it to someone else. Well, but if I want to remove it, they would have to let me. Well, certainly. Well, but suppose they've already lent it to another customer. Then they will let you have someone else's money. But suppose he wants his, too. And they've let me have it? You're being purposefully obtruse. I think I'm being acute. What is everyone wanted? What if everyone wanted their money all at once? It's the theory of banking practice that they never would. So, what banks, bank on, is not having to meet their commitments. I would not not say that, naturally. (sighs) Well, if there's nothing else you can think you can tell me, quite so. Now... You can go off and open a bank account. (laughs) All right, just one last question. Of course. Would not I do better to go off and open up a bank? Toodles! Later, alligators. See you when we hang out.